we're finally back in the same-ish time zone, similar time zones. At least there's overlap. No more 12-hour time difference. Overlap? Oh, oh, like we're both awake. Yeah, we're both awake at the same time. Yes, I finally moved into my new apartment. We're back to recording. Welcome back to Supplements, your bi-weekly health news podcast. This is Miranda and Sabrina. We're recording September 15th evening, and today we'll be covering three topics, COVID, e-cigarettes, and just some more updates on Home, which we've talked about in the previous few episodes as well. Before we get started, Sabrina, do you want to break down how the COVID vaccination rollout is going? As of yesterday, September 14th, 54% of the general population has been fully vaccinated. Of that, the top 10 states have all surpassed 60%. So vaccination rates have definitely slowed down, but the numbers are looking pretty good. I do believe that there will be a possibility that vaccination rates speed up a little bit. Last Thursday, September 9th, Biden announced a new action plan, which consisted of a vaccine mandate that for all employers with more than 100 workers all needed to either be vaccinated or tested weekly. Additionally, health facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding will have to be all fully vaccinated, as well as employees of the executive branch and contractors who do business with the federal government. Miranda, why should people get vaccinated? They should get vaccinated because a CDC study reported people who are unvaccinated are 11 times more likely to die from COVID-19. This CDC report also analyzed a lot of real-life data that we collected, which found that Moderna was 95% effective in preventing hospitalizations, Pfizer was 80%, and the Johnson Johnson vaccine was 60%. Overall effectiveness in preventing ER trips or urgent care trips was 82%. And this is against the Delta variant too. So data showed that Moderna was more effective than Pfizer in preventing hospitalizations. What's a possibility that researchers are discussing? Well, Moderna's vaccine contains a dose of mRNA that is three times that of Pfizer's. Additionally, the interval between Moderna's two shots is longer than the interval between the two Pfizer shots. For Moderna, it's four weeks, and for Pfizer, it's three weeks. And recent studies have shown that longer intervals between the first and second dose of the vaccine can be advantageous to building immunity, even if the interval between the two shots is longer than four weeks. I wonder if that's why people who got Moderna's vaccine generally had worse like symptoms the day after. I feel like all my friends who got Pfizer were just like, oh, it was fine. But Moderna's hit me like a truck, so. Yeah, I was straight chilling after Pfizer. Like the first shot, I mean, 
I like kind of felt tired after, but also I didn't really have a good night's sleep that day. So that could have been like a confounding factor into why I felt tired. It's past eight months since my first shot. So I'm kind of like keeping an ear out for whether I need a third shot. There's definitely controversy surrounding booster shots. Much of the globe has not even received their first or second dose. And here in America, we're talking about giving out a third dose. So that will just kind of drive more disparities in COVID-related outcomes. So it'll be interesting to see what the FDA decides, what the response is in other nations, and what the public response is. What are your thoughts? Unless a even deadlier strain really emerges, I think that we should either save the current vaccines we have now so that there's enough to go around for like children when they get approved for the vaccine, or we should donate it to countries who need it more than we do. A lot of variants are emerging from other places because those places are unable to get vaccinated. And so it's just allowing the virus to continue to mutate. And if a newer, deadlier variant arises in another country, it's for sure going to come to the U.S. with how globalized our world is. I personally think we should prioritize the global vaccination effort rather than booster shots. It costs Medicare 150 times the amount spent on a patient who got hospitalized with COVID-19 to fully vaccinate someone with two doses. And it costs even more if the patient needs a ventilator. If they do, the average is $50,000 over a 17-day stay at the hospital. While Biden was announcing his action plan for dealing with the pandemic on September 9th, the FDA also released a statement on which e-cigarette products would be removed from the market. However, even though they rejected the applications of a lot of smaller vaping companies, they have delayed their decision on some of the industry's largest e-cigarette manufacturers, including Juul, Reynolds, and Americans Fuse, and Enjoy. They have said for months now that their review process would give priority to firms by market share. However, it seems that wasn't the case since the majority of companies that were denied in their application for their e-cigarette products have been small and medium-sized companies. In a 2020 study from the CDC and FDA, It was revealed that among current adolescent smokers, more than 80% of high school students and 70% of middle school students use flavored vape products, which were manufactured largely by these e-cigarette firms. While the FDA has banned flavored e-cigarettes, other companies that produce e-cigarettes, such as Puff Bar, has claimed that its synthetic nicotine product is not derived from tobacco and therefore cannot be regulated by the FDA Center for Tobacco Products. Personally, I just think that FDA should have focused their efforts on deciding whether they were going to approve drool products rather than smaller companies, because I feel like drool is 
synonymous to e-cigarettes. It's like Google instead of web browser, like Kleenex is of tissue. All I know is Juul. I don't know any of the smaller companies. I do assume that teens these days also know more about Juul. I think it would have made more of an impact if they focused on a company that holds a greater market share. I also read about Puff Bar, how they said that since theirs is a synthetic nicotine product, it's not regulated. But Puff Bars still do a lot of damage. And I think they have a lot of flavors such. And they also have a lot of flavors like lychee, mango, that might be very appealing to kids. So the FDA should also look into whether or not they want to ban Puff Bars. One of the arguments that these e-cigarette companies have made is that e-cigarettes have the potential to help people stop smoking traditional cigarettes. However, the Truth Initiative has found that nearly 55% of e-cigarette users also smoke cigarettes among adults in a study from 2016. So I feel like it's kind of unclear whether e-cigarettes actually are helping a significant number of people quit smoking. I'm sure it has helped people, but I just don't know if that benefit outweighs the cons of a whole new generation getting hooked onto vaping products. The Biogen CEO has released a statement on Aduhelm's rocky start. Their CEO stated that there's too much confusion, misinformation, and controversy surrounding their data and the approval process. They're not wrong. Previously, I think the setback that we talked about on the podcast was how a couple of hospital systems were not going to prescribe this medication without looking into it further. Most recently, last month, the Department of Veterans Affairs also decided against covering the drug, stating that there is a risk of significant adverse drug events and there's a lack of evidence of a positive impact on cognition. Recently, physician researchers at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center looked at medical claims of Medicare patients who were diagnosed with either cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's disease, or Alzheimer's disease-related disorders and found that most patients had conditions such as cardiovascular disease, prior stroke, use of blood thinners, and being over the age of 85. These conditions would have excluded them from the Aduhelm clinical trials. Therefore, the clinical trials were actually not very representative of most Alzheimer's disease patients, and the results in these studies were not quite generalizable to the majority of Alzheimer's disease patients. Dr. Anderson, a clinician investigator at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, stated that their findings are concerning given the broad FDA labeling for Aduhelm, which currently is indicated for patients with mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia stage of disease. They're scared that the majority of patients with Alzheimer's might face higher risks of the adverse events compared to the patients that were studied in the trials. 
So they might be more hesitant to prescribe this to patients, but also just the conversation on how this medication might have a limited benefit or very high costs associated, not only for the patient, but also for Medicare as well. To wrap things up for episode 16, Biden has a new vaccine mandate. The FDA has delayed their decision on e-cigarette powerhouses and Biogen has continuously faced setbacks in rolling out what once seemed like an exciting new Alzheimer's treatment. We'll see how all of these changes continue to play out and we'll keep you updated. In the meantime, follow at Supplements Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, we would love it if you could rate and review us on Apple Pod or wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon. Bye.